Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Smokler, and I've got issues. I've got a ton of issues, actually, and I'm pretty sure you do, too. And I'm definitely sure we'll both feel better after talking about them. And that's what this podcast is all about. So let's get started. Today, we are talking about friendship, specifically friendship at midlife and how it's evolved as we've gotten older. Joining me for the conversation are Stephanie Springer and Jessica Smock. Stephanie and Jessica are the founders of the Her Stories Project, which is a writing and publishing community for women at midlife. Together, they've published five anthologies, including their most recent essay collection, The Pandemic Midlife Crisis, Gen X Women on the Brink. You can learn all about their writing courses and membership and other books in the show notes. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have this time to sit down and chat with you. You guys were the first people I thought of when I wanted to talk about online relationships. I'm sitting with the two of you guys because your entire relationship basically is online. And I'd like you to tell me about that, how it began, what it's evolved into, and how you've managed to do that having only met twice in person. Twice. And um, and that was like, what, six years ago? Was that Was that the last time we were in person in the same room? I believe so. And both of the times we met were within a couple uh, like months of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, no, and we love to tell this story because I do think it's unique. And, um, okay, so we were both new bloggers in like 2012, 2013. And we met in a, a Facebook group for bloggers. If you're a blogger, you know, back in the day, there were all kinds of Facebook groups and people would read each other's blog posts and comment. And so we connected because we realized we liked the same books, which is kind of dorky, but awesome. And, and back in the day, there were sort of these little like, uh, like finish the sentence Fridays oh, and the these, li- the, these little prompts that different bloggers would host. And I think you and I met on one of those, like I think something so. about talking about a book or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then after the after the book, oh, have you read this? Have you read that? We discovered we were both reading um, Susanna Sonnenberg's um, memoir called She Matters, A Life in Friendships. And it just, we were both so just into it. We were both mesmerized by the book and it was really resonant. And so we decided we would start a series on our respective blogs about women's friendship. Yeah. So we, among our little blogger friends, we solicited guest essays about female friendship. So any bloggers who wanted to um, have a personal essay featured on one of our blogs about a friendship in their lives. So we met lots of people through that. Mm -hmm. And then this went on for a while and it really took off. And then we decided to make our own website and um, again, around the subject of female friendship. And I remember our conversations about what should we name it? <laughs> you know, well, I know that the moment when like her stories came together, it was yeah. like oh, light bulb and it's yeah. a perfect you know, name. It's angel a totally singing. Perfect name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You came up with that. I, I, I did, did come up. I did, did come up with that. But it, back then it was like her stories, tales of friendship, because that was the only, like, that was our only focus was women connecting and friendship. And well, so what, so what started the seed exactly from from the the book connection to really 
sensing that there was really something to this friendship thing and wanting to really start a whole business around right. it because it's so much bigger than just, you know, a, a whole Facebook little blog hobby thing. Like you started a whole mm-hmm. company. Well, around it. I think our whole, I mean, the first, when we asked for guest essays on our blog, it was just sort of a casual thing. And then because that took off, you know, we found it, we had our own website and then, we had so many great stories. We thought, well, why not publish a book? So we collected some of the essays that we already had and self-published the first, our Which first Which is anthology. so cool because ironically, we had a really amazing forward writer for that first book. I know. Yeah. If you, if, you heard of, if you heard of Jill Smokler, <laughs> we got her to write our, our forward. And I think like Jessica oh was goodness. saying, we had so many great stories and I think that's what it was. Like the two of us, it was one thing for us to be like, oh my gosh, we read this memoir. This is so fascinating. We both were like, this makes me want to write my friendship memoir. But what we realized was so many other women wanted to share their friendship stories. And I think that's the point when we discovered like, yeah, we have enough for a book, but also people want to talk about this and they want to read about it. I think the real turning point was when we published the next book, which was My Other Ex, which was about female friendship breakups which was quite successful. We had so many submissions for that. We did a, you know, we did a big survey of hundreds of women mm-hmm. and we just, the quality of the essays were just amazing. Jessica's the one who came up with that amazing name, my other ex. And okay. like, why, I think why we did that was because one section of our first book was about friendship breakups. And that's the one that everybody wanted to talk about. I think we got the idea for that book because there was one section in the first book that was specifically about losing friendships and breakups. And that was the one that everybody couldn't stop talking about. Right, Jessica? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's why we decided to write a whole book on it because those were the painful stories that didn't get talked about. How how has the subject of friendship in that almost decade, how have you seen that evolve and change? Well, I think our emphasis has changed a lot. And so I think that that in turn reflects, you know, the kind of essays and the kind of stories that we tend to publish <laughs> and are interested in. You know, when we first started the, all of this, we both had very young children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had, I had my second child during like our whatever our third book maybe. <laughs> um, so we were really kind of in the thick of it with and talking about friendships. You know, you know how does new motherhood affect friendships? That was it. Yeah, you know, that new motherhood friendships. New motherhood friendship, and of course, you know, as the years have gone on, and now we're I'm in well, basically my late forties, and <laughs> we're. I'm almost 48, so I guess I can say that, Um, you know, where our focus is more on midlife friendships and, you know, it's official. We're there. Yeah, Yeah, we're there. We're there. there. (laughs) You can say it. And midlife friendships are definitely different from new motherhood friendships. So I feel like, yeah, Jessica's right. Our focus has shifted to the sort of the deepening and the evolution of women's friendships, you know, at midlife. But I think that one thing that has been consistent the whole time is, well, I think it's two things. I think women still feel lonely and isolated and Mm -hmm. crave connection. And the pandemic, obviously we can, that's another can of worms. But the other thing is the breakup stories have remained the same. Like Mm -hmm. no matter what stage of friendship you're at, we all have those breakup stories 
Um, and, and people still really want to talk about that. Those I still see it all the time, people posting on Facebook or in just different groups about how there's no, you read essays about there's um, there's no language for mourning of a breakup of a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still something that I think is as resonant as it ever was. And we do and have- it always will be. Absolutely. Yeah. And we do have essays in our, you know, in our new book about the pandemic, about friendships, you know, for not for just like standard midlife reasons, because of pandemic reasons. I feel like the pandemic was clarifying in some ways, as far as like, who is in my corner? Who am I determined to stay connected with, even though it's difficult? I think that you know, as we get older, there's sort of all these strains that kind of build up in life, you know, might be losing your parents, it might be, you know, kids having special needs or whatever. And like, all of those are potential for um, strains and relate in friendships as well. And I think the pandemic just brought a bunch of those all at once, (laughs) you know, like there are all these possible stressors to friendship that happened like the perfect um, storm. It, yeah, like a perfect storm that, you know, a lot of this stuff would have happened anyway, but it was just, and I think a lot of friendships just couldn't survive it. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And it's, I'm finding that during this time that feels so heavy and dark, I can't handle heavy relationships very well. I mean, certainly relationships where you have a friend who's struggling and and you help them through it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about sort of the vampire relationship. I was going to say vampire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, it's too much. The, the one, yeah, they just, life is too hard right now and you just need to sort of keep your emotional health at the forefront. Um, it needs you guys to be relating to that. Yeah, I also feel, for me, I don't know if this is my <laughs> more pessimistic personality or something coming out, but I almost feel like some of those casual, lighter friendships based on kind of very light things, you know, book clubs and, you know, just almost frivolous to me, like we're dealing with heavy issues and I don't necessarily <laughs> want to spend a whole evening talking about like the boys soccer clubs, like new, co- you know, like, like there's no space uh, for yeah. small talk. Like if we're not yeah, going to genuinely I, I connect like a, a lot of my, I, I'm a, I've, as an introvert, I've always had that tendency. Like I hate small talk, never liked it. will never like it. But I think that the pandemic has magnified that for me. It's funny. I have, it's like, I hate small talk. I, I want like minuscule talk. Like hmm. I want like, like salutations with complete strangers or I want in-depth conversations. I don't want like totally ground talks. No, not the like, right. Like I remember when quarantine sort of lifted and like, I'd go to the liquor store, the chiropractor, my physical therapist. I was like, let's talk. I wanted to talk to freaking everybody. That's different. You didn't want to like sit down for coffee with like, you know, no, that like no. carpooling person or whatever. No. But like, yes, just that camaraderie and that sort of friendliness. Yes. But with the real nice. friends, like it needs to be, it needs to be genuine, deep connection. But I think what you were saying, like it needs to be symbiotic. Like you don't leave your gathering feeling drained, nor do you leave like you just took up all the air in the room. Right. And right. I think with all of the, health crises people have been going through the loss divorce like two of my best friends have gone through a pandemic divorce um like you said that with when you're dealing with that kind of heaviness in your connections you have to be really mindful of 
who is, who is worth, who is worth that to you? Like, I will sit in the shit with you, but like, you need to be someone worth sitting in the shit for. And not everyone makes the cut because like, we are so fragmented and we're so fried, you know? Absolutely. And it's such a wonderful thing when you and a friend are actually at the same time, not sitting in the shit and you could actually enjoy being like on the other side of it together. Like I have a friend Mm -hmm. and this weekend she's coming over and we're like having a slumber party and getting massages because we're both like in moderately decent points in our life and like not everything's falling apart <laughs> so oh, we're like yay. we're embracing it <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, exactly and it's celebratory and it's wonderful and it's exciting and we wouldn't have been able to do that like six months ago so yeah, yeah it's sort of like if you can have that um moment where you're just like in parallel decent spots just grabbing a hold of it um because who knows when <laughs> when you'll be again well and at midlife doesn't it seem like i mean i'm thinking about like my four or five best friends and it's not like everyone is super mired in crisis but we all have this shit going on no i want to be on a lazy river i want to just yes. be just i'm going to start drifting. crying <laughs> Yeah, it's not coming anytime soon. Um, But that does. Yeah, no. But what we are doing is we are just sort of like on life rafts clinging to each other. And we have, you know, we do have each other to cling to on these life rafts. So yeah, you know, you can make a chain on this lazy river. Some water parks, they won't let you make a chain. We can make a chain. We can hold on to each other's tubes while we float. Right. I'm all, I'm here for the analogies, but you know, that goes somewhere with it. (laughs) No, you do. We got, we got there. (laughs) You know, let me say something else that has been just top of mind. Cause it feels like a lot of my friends right now, it feels like a lot of, of them are struggling, but also we're actually at this point in the pandemic where we're able to talk like in more of a meta way about friendship. Like, um, when do we really get to focus on and prioritize friendship, right? Like we're, we're at that we're in the thick of the parenting stuff and we have work stuff and marriage stuff. And like, when do we get to a point where we really get to show up for our girlfriends and what does that look like um i mean i have friends who feel perpetually disappointed that like they try to make plans and try to connect and like everyone's too maxed out to make time for their friends and it's sort of like going to the gym where intuitively you know once you get there you're gonna feel good and be glad you went but you're just like oh it's like how you get it. Well, I get excited when people cancel plans like oh fuck yeah i don't have to get off the couch but like what does that really mean about so many people aren't really willing to kind of get off the couch and show up as a friend because we are all so maxed and drained. So like, how yeah. do we at midlife get up off the couch and show up for our friends when we, we know it's going to make us feel better and we know we need it, but it's like, you can't even summon the mental, physical, and emotional wherewithal to show up. I think that's such a good question. Um, and I think I spend my whole life making plans and putting them off and doing that same thing. I spent my whole marriage prioritizing my dysfunctional marriage and putting my friendships on the back burner and having them, you know, suffer. Um, And I feel like now is the first time in my life where I'm really trying to focus on friendships and prioritizing them. And it is an effort and it doesn't come naturally to me always it's right. my natural default is laziness and i i think it's yeah. depression it's it's 
that my default is just to want to stay in bed all day and not do anything. And as, as excited as I am to see my friend this weekend, as I was talking about, you know, we're going to have these plans and it's so fun. I'm still thinking in the back of my head, like, but I'd kind of rather be in bed by myself. And I wouldn't right. be. Like, I know that's right. just going to make me depressed. It's just going to make me, you know, wallow. And I'm going to spend the whole weekend like I spent last time just thinking, why didn't I make plans? I'm so fucking bored. Why am I doing this again to myself? Mm-hmm. But still, that's what I default to. Because so it's I like think that it inertia and that path of least resistance. And the mm-hmm. like, I'm in, I'm in bed right now with my dogs. And it's like, oh, how many hours do I get to be alone in my comfy clothes in my bed today? And I do think you're oh, right. Right, that there's some depression involved in that and just the the stuckness like during the pandemic was such a hard spot and i realized that no matter how crappy things were for her she never stopped showing up for me as a friend she was always mm-hmm. loyal always reaching out always wanted to know what was going on with me and so i bought her a card and wrote it like i don't think i've ever told you that during the worst lowest part of your life you were an amazing friend and you never stopped showing up. And I Mm -hmm. I think it's easy for us to take each other for granted, especially when we're drowning, you know? And like on a hopeful note too, I don't know if you guys had this experience, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, like I had like college friends and high school friends who like all suddenly we were zooming again for the first time in like years, in some cases, decades. And I'm like, I was suddenly meeting all these friends from college again that I kind of lost in touch with and like my whole group of college friends, my whole group of high school friends. And it was like almost like no time had passed. And I realized like how deep those bonds were. And like there are, there were so many people that even though, you know, the time that had passed since we'd been in each other's daily lives might have been decades, like they do have my back. Like they're still there. And they know you. you. And they know know, like you, you. You, me, me. Yeah, exactly. Not Um, mom, you or teacher, you or like they know who you are. And yeah, there is something about old relationships that you can't, you can't recreate the same no. sort of we need those comfort people. level. And yes, you really, because you fall back into the same, you, you sort of become the person you were back then. And it's so comforting to be put back into like your 18 year old self or your 25 year old self or whoever it was that you were. Or even my like single 32 year old self, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like who was just, you know, basically the same person, but, you know. 15 years had passed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I think another thing about midlife is we have the perspective of, okay, yes, I need my high school or college best friends. The one who, have, you know, the ones who have known me since back then, I, I still have the people that were in the like infant trenches with me. I have the like friend who we had the first job together. Like you learn that you need all these different types of friends and you know, okay, this is a friend that I'm going to go to for this. This is the friend for that. And then you also have to teach that to your kids as they're struggling. Mm -hmm. And you're like, listen, you know, you're putting too much pressure on so-and-so to give this to you. She can't do that. She's not that kind of friend. Like you need to learn you're going to have this type of friend and that type of friend. And you finally have that perspective. There's so much danger in the the term bestie and thinking that yep. you can get, you know, get all of your needs fulfilled by this one person because you can't. You need to have right. a variety of different friends that you can go to for all your different needs. Well, I'd love to know with with your knowledge as we are in midlife, um, what's what you've learned about friendship, what qualities you at this point think are the most important versus what qualities you you would have valued most maybe 10, 20 years ago? 
I think it matters less at this stage of life, whether your kids are the same age or whether you even have, you both have kids. Like for a while, it's like, if I can't relate to you, cause we're not both changing diapers or in the school pickup line, like it sort of doesn't matter as much like to have people who are like living that parallel life to you, you know? Um, I, I think, um, I mean, I think that the, the, having shared values matters the most, not values Mm -hmm. in terms, I mean, political values, yes. And family, whatever, but also like, what do you value in a friendship? Do you want, like, if you want to just be silly and go bar hopping and I want to sit down and like purge our souls, that's not going to work. Right. Like we all, you need to be on the same page about what you're looking for in a friendship. You know, even if we are super maxed out and spread really thin and feel like we're sinking just like a small thoughtful text of I'm thinking of you. How's your week going? You know, just, yes. I think we can't get to the point where we're too busy or we take our friends for granted. And I think that's something my friends and I've been talking about that. Like, yes, we're all, we're all exhausted and drained and frustrated. And, but like, we can't just be like, well, this is too much work. I'm just going to let go. It's, um, I talked to someone who describes something called the exhaustion funnel, where it's like, you know, you're busy, you're overwhelmed, you're tired. What's the first thing to go? And it's like, the last things to go are your kids, your family, your job, taking care of the house, but like fun and play is like the first thing to go. And I think Mm -hmm. friendships too, it's easy to be like, well, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to try to get enough sleep, but I don't have room for friendships. It's right. the friendship easiest not thing a need. to. It's not mm-hmm. a basic need. You feel but like. like deprive yourself of it for too long and you're going to find out right. what the consequence right. is. You know, it's like, stop, yeah. don't take, stop taking your pills because you feel better. Right. Like, right. right. You'll no, find out soon sense. enough. Yeah. If you, well, I suppose you are <laughs> speaking to friends about being a better friend, what would you tell people? I mean, I love I love the point about effort. I think that's so important. I think it all does come down to effort, and I will take that with me. I, I, there's one specific friend who I do always mean to just put a card in the mail because I know how much she would appreciate it in particular, and I'm going to follow through with that. Are there any other acts that you think we could do, uh, you know, as good friends that we could just take away from this conversation? I think that daily check-ins help and like the idea that it doesn't have to be these big like gestures or like big girls weekends or anything like the friends that I've stayed closest to are the ones that like check in with me a little bit every day. It can be the tiniest little thing every day. Um, I think a lot of us get into these traps where like, you know, you haven't seen a friend for a couple weeks and it's too hard to like make the effort to text or whatever, like little tiny gestures, I think go a long way and they can, and it doesn't have to be in person. And that's the other thing I would say, like texting online stuff that counts. That's a really good one. Again, like (laughs) that's a really good one because I think what I was saying about canceling plans, I do the same thing with FaceTime. I have friends who want to FaceTime me and I'm like, I'm not dressed. I don't want to FaceTime. Like, why can't you just text me? But even just seeing someone for three minutes is just so nice and you feel like you've connected with them. And that's so ridiculously lame of me not to want to see a friend's face for three seconds because it would make me smile. So next time. It's so funny though, because as you said that, I was like, oh, 
Oh, I have friends I'm supposed to Zoom with and like, oh, right. I'd rather just watch Queer Eye. And- <laughs> exactly. But, but you uh, know when it's over, you're going to walk away from it smiling yep. and you'll feel better. And we know I think this. it's about keeping that perspective in mind. Like, I am aware right now that I'm in a rut and that I'm overwhelmed and maybe I'm a little depressed and I'm tired and I don't want to do this. But I'm, I'm aware of that. And I'm also aware that when I put in the effort, I'm going to feel better. And I think it's just remembering to think about our friends. I think it's just I think another thing is like when you do get together with them, like talk about talk about it. Like, what do you need right now? How can I support you right now? What, what, what could we all do that would help each other right now? You know, just like having a conversation about friendship. Well, and those conversations come from having open dialogues. If you're open about what's going on in your lives, you can be open about what you need. If you're having just these very closed off, you know, surface level conversations, you can't really get into what you're struggling with and what's lacking in your life and what you could use support with. Um, But if you're, you know, I think we can all benefit from really opening up and asking for support from the people we care about. And, you know, when you were talking about online, I know social media gets such a bad rap and it can be such a total time suck and it can be frivolous and competitive and whatever. But some of those people like Jessica was talking about reconnecting with college or high school or whatever, old friends from different eras. I put like put out calls for like I have I have a new rescue dog and we need some freaking help right now with this separation anxiety. I put out a call and there are people that I'm like, I didn't even know I was on your radar, right? That chime in and give you advice. Or there are just these people that they always comment on something or they're all like, you end up having conversations with them and you feel close and connected, even though you truly would never like drive to go see them or even meet for a coffee, but it's, it's still something, right? It's still like, right. You still yeah. feel the closeness. It comes. And I do. And that is another, like trying to think of the positive side of the pandemic. I think that is something positive that came out of the pandemic, like the power of zoom like in talking with other people. I mean, we, we always had FaceTime and that sort of thing, but like it kind of normalized that in a way of like having that be a valuable part of friendship. I mean, I know in our Her Stories classes, like this during the pandemic was the first time that we started having Zoom meetings and it was like completely transformative. I mean, people were talking about the same things and writing about the same things, but getting to see each other face to face and hearing each other's voices and hearing each other's stories aloud. And again, we're never going to meet these people ever in real life, but like the closeness that came just from, you know, a Zoom screen. You just feel incredible. less lonely. And yeah, and yeah. I, I really even feel that way seeing someone write something kind on something I put on Instagram or Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just that I'm thinking of you, you know? And I remember I posted something months ago where I said, hey, friends, I just want you to know that whenever I click the care button on your posts, I hold my thumb down extra long until the little emoji gives you an actual <laughs> hug. Like, I want you to know that when I put care, like, I'm, I'm spending at least two full seconds, like, I care about you. You know, I feel like it's those those little things though. It's the, it's the appreciation that like, I need you. I I need, I need support. I need connection. I don't want to be lonely. You know, like, do I like being alone? Hell yes. But I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to feel untethered. You know, I feel like we, we need to tether each other. We need to 
grab each other's tubes on the lazy river and make a chain, you know? Like we're in our own little tube, but we're not disconnected. Thanks so much for listening today and come back next week for another issue. She's Got Issues is produced by Kristen Kelbley, Gwen Sound, Kira Shine, and me, Jill Smokler. Please do us a favor and rate and review the podcast and tell a friend because she's got issues too. 